My name is Sita Gaia, and this is Jamie, and you are listening to the Chronic Warriors Pod. A chronic warrior is someone who is fighting through a disease or diagnosis. Today, we are talking to Natalia, who struggles with degenerative disc disease, functional neurological disorder, and fibromyalgia. She's a photographer, tattooist, and makes clothing sexy for cheer users. All right, let's go. Jamie's from Chicago. Yes, and Sita is from Vancouver, British Columbia. And we both live with epilepsy, and Jamie lives with multiple sclerosis. I excel with multiple sclerosis. Okay, you excel. (laughs) Would you like to enter our guest, Jamie? Of course. Um, Natalia is a chronic warrior. She's based in the UK. She has um, degenerative disc disease, fibromyalgia. Um, but from what I've heard, she's a fantastic photographer, tattooist, poet, just a few things. Welcome, Natalia. <laughs> Hi, everyone. It's such an honor to be here with you today. And you already said so many good things about me, so it's nice to want what we need really (laughs) (laughs) well we just love what you do so we just had to have you on the show (laughs) thank you very much it's it's absolutely my pleasure okay so this is the part of the show where we do our obsessions so um, I'm obsessed with Halsey's new album that is dropping this week and the song I can do that by Marvin Hanslish. You have to look it up. <laughs> I absolutely love her. <laughs> I have no idea where I heard it. And um, I sang it all holiday season. What about you, Jamie? Um, I right now uh, have an obsession with... I have launched my a brand that is for positivity and to spread awareness, and it's called Warrior Hugs. Um, just like my Instagram name is Love Warrior Hugs, and today I'll be announcing my first contest winner, which I think will be really awesome. And it celebrates a collaboration of um, what I'm doing along with the person that is helping to provide it. That is so exciting. I can't wait to see that. Well, my recent, uh, well, I have two obsessions. One of them is super silly, but I love it since I only came out of the hospital yesterday. And as you know, you can have a lot of anxiety. So I could do it for hours and it's so calming down. So if anyone needs a very healthy way to cope with that, I absolutely, absolutely uh, recommend. And also... With my recent poetry, we released a new way of doing that, which is incorporating music um, to the poetry that I make. How how did you come up with this idea? Did somebody approach you, or did you approach someone? Um, So I I used to play in the theatre quite a lot um, since I was a kid, 
um, and we used to do poetry evenings. Obviously, I would read and perform someone else's poetry. The poetry was kind of a way to express my feelings, especially prior to my diagnosis, when you don't really know what's going on because you've got all those feelings, all this pain, but you don't really know what it is. And the poetry was an escape to trying to... Sometimes I would bring it to the doctors and be like, I know this is probably silly and you're going to look like look at me like I'm crazy, but this is just what my feelings are. And I started with um, a spoken word, spoken word protest where I was booked to do um, poetry about um, disabilities and I rang a day later, and it turns out it wasn't accessible. So, um, <laughs> oh no, yeah. And um, the woman who organized it um, didn't think to um, well let me know, despite of um, advertising for you know, disabled people to have inclusive um, event. And I, I, at the time, I was just on my walking stick. Well, just I was on a walking stick. So um, my friend helped me to get downstairs. I went on the stage, I said, you know what, guys, I write these things for people with disabilities, for people like me, um, and since they can't be here, I've all invited them just upstairs on the street, and I shouted out the poetry, and the, that's really where it came from. That's really cool. Yeah. I hear that. Now, um, you have, I have several chronic illnesses myself. Um, now, how did you did hear about your diagnosis? Was it all at one time? Were they individual? Um, you know, yeah, um, I started having symptoms of chronic pain and something to do with my spine since I was maybe 13, 14. So um, it was very early on my, it was very early. So a lot of the times doctor would say, oh, it's just growing up pains. Mm-hmm. Oh, because I used to do sports. Um, they would say, oh, you know, you're still growing, so you might experience a little bit of pain because of your spine is stretching, all that kind of stuff. Um, but um, things were getting worse, and undiagnosed, I, have a, I had a steroid injections, which for a month was great. I would, didn't have any pain. Um, but what happened really was that um, in 2018, in October, where the steroids wore off, I ended up in hospital, completely gone, legs not working, couldn't move, couldn't move my arms, and that's when, which is described as degenerative disc disease, um, and that was the first time I started using my wheelchair. Um, and then going on, going on, things were still getting worse. No medication, no physio was helping, um, and then I ended up in hospital through the A&E after a car crash, super dramatic. <laughs> and um, that's only when we started noticing. A doctor said, well, the pain you're experiencing is is not the pain a person with DDD, degenerative disc disease in short, would experience. So I was like, yeah, I've been thinking that for years. Thank you. <laughs> they never listen, right? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a constant fight. And my partner was such a massive part of that fight. Uh, we did get the diagnosis of fibromyalgia and the functional neurological disorder, which both explain um, pretty much all of my neurological symptoms because with the functional disorder, it's a group of symptoms that cannot really be pinpointed to where they came from. It was I was juggling neurological disorder 
and then um, a spinal herniation. So then hitting all that at once in my body without knowing it was a bit, that was fun. I mean, we call it circus. Came out of the hospital yesterday with another flare-up and the neurological flare-up and we expect them to happen pretty much all the time now. But yeah, the the journey was dramatic. So sorry about that. I'll make sure I'll be a little bit more happier or at least funnier. <laughs> no, just no, be I, yourself. I, yeah, and you know what? I think that we all have dramatic things. I mean, I have multiple sclerosis and they misdiagnosed that several times. I have epilepsy and they didn't do that one either. I've taken over 30 medications. So oh, wow. know, I think there's probably a very minute amount of people that have these illnesses that like went to the doctor, you know, it's not as easy as a cold. It's not as easy as like strep throat. It's very complex. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Any, anything with the nervous system, there's just, yeah, and, and nobody's yeah. the same. I don't know if that was something people they heard of chronic diseases, and I think it's even harder for them. Yeah, because they don't believe them because they're kids or people who I've noticed that people who struggle with some sort of um, psychological issues as well, they would pin it. They would pin their physical issues, the physical chronic pain, the physical struggles, onto the psychological struggles especially if it's neurological um so it is a fine line that people people fight with but that's why we're warriors i guess yes exactly (laughs) that's the way i like to describe it too now (laughs) do you think that having these um illnesses has uh, changed your outlook on life and how you proceed moving forward yeah, absolutely. It was it was um, a matter of years of trying to accept it. But first, for me, the first hit was after doing all the things, I can't do anything anymore. Um, so it was a while to find the space and braveness within myself to start doing those things again. I think you um, gave our fellow warriors a lot to, um, like, I like to see them the motivation and the inspiration. I myself was very like sad and didn't think I could do anything. And then through Instagram, I've met wonderful people like yourself who's told me like, so what? (laughs) You can do something too. You know, if you have the drive and motivation, you know, just take it and and run. And so that's why I see that. And I love to talk with uh, people like yourself, especially you, because you've done like so many interesting things (laughs) Well, you know, like, there's not very often we meet a poet that can also do tattoo art, you know? Like that. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I like it, isn't yeah. I like doing the most random things at the same time. I think it speaks a lot about who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, the most I can make people shocked and obsessed with me at the same time, the best. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. And then I know that through whatever I do, I automatically spread awareness. I raise the question, for example, going for a guest spot. We're looking for places and they're not accessible. Why are they not accessible? I start performing with uh, with my poetry, with, with the music that we create. Because um, I, when I do the writing, my partner who also does music, there's a, all the soundscape and then we create those. Well, they are songs, but not singing songs. Um, so that you want to book into different places and they, they tell you we're not accessible. 
are um oh that was oh i filmed the music video um it was beautiful it was going great and they have a, they had a premiere event with the singer um premiering the song also singing it live which i thought amazing great we're having the release uh, we worked so hard because um just two weeks after we filmed it, I ended up in hospital and editing through morphine and all that kind of stuff. I ended doing it, but but the place that, that they chose was not accessible, so being excluded from my own art is also a big part of it. So hopefully through that I can raise the question for different industries and just as uh, just as you said, um, fashion is the big one. I was wondering what led you to accessible fashion. Since I've been in the wheelchair, it was a big, big eye-opening experience of how much fashion isn't accessible. Because simply, uh, we were talking with my friend, and I do a lot of online shopping because it's just, sometimes it's too much struggle to go out with the wheelchair to normal shops, especially with loads of people. You can, you know, you can uh, reach the racks of the clothing and. It's just, it's just a pain sometimes. So we do a lot of online um, shopping and um, you're scrolling through and there is never a picture of a model sat down. I see a dress, I love it. I'd love to see how it looks sat down. Is it going to make mm-hmm. it look if I want something nice and sleek? Is the material stretchy enough? If I sat down, it's not going to hurt around my stomach, especially with people with fibro. Uh, a lot of the times um, they struggle with irritable bowel syndrome, which can make our bellies really bloated. So if the material is not stretchy, then if I sat down, it's just going to be pain. Um, little things like this that you'd love to see um, a model on the website, whatever fashion design it is, just sat down on the chair. It would make us not even feel included, but also give us a, you know, an eye of, um, of how to buy new things. Now I have my little guide of what to look at for when it comes to buying clothing uh, when you're in the wheelchair. So if, um, what would you recommend to somebody who um, is also in a chair um, and they're looking for, like, you know, sexy clothing and, like, what would you recommend for them? So definitely the fabrics. When we talk about feeling sexy and empowering my own body, because um, I did a photo shoot on my wheelchair, which was um, very burlesque. It had that classic burlesque style underwear, unzipping my bra, tassels, the whole thing. <laughs> so it's good to look for um, natural materials of the um, of the lace, because that can just you know that can um, take away a lot of literal pain. Uh, when it comes to underwear, especially sexy underwear, um, I, tend to, I tend to buy my normal size I would wear and also one bigger, just in case I need to pull it up while I'm sat down. Um, again, for example, with very, very, if you want to go super, super tight waist, get your ass there, nice and thick, Go out, take your arm size, so that everyone will see a beautiful shape. Make sure that the material is stretchy so it doesn't hurt while you sat down. Um, say that. I think the bottom is usually the biggest struggle. And 
But I always say about about bone shoes. I could never ever wear shoes, um, heels or boots because I could never walk in them. And this is going to be a bad joke, but I can't walk anyway. So I can <laughs> the craziest heels that I can ever imagine. So um, I think go crazy. Make sure first you're comfortable. But even if it's an hour or a little bit more, if the thong is a little bit too up there, maybe you're going to like it. You never know. You never know. You just have to try it out. Is there a particular place where people can buy this? Or, like, how can they seek out what you have determined is, like, something positive for people in a chair? Yeah, so um, I don't have my own fashion brand. I um, I seek to look through um, reusable um, clothing. So um, it's mainly vintage shopping uh, because I feel like um, a lot of the... Um, one thing, it's ecological and it's great for the environment rather than buying new clothes. But what I've noticed with buying uh, vintage clothing, it's less crowdy in vintage shops. And you get that really comfortable feel. Um, I found that when it comes to 20s fashion, um, of course, you've got, oh, yeah, that's we've got, we've been 20s. Perfect. Great. <laughs> when you got all the fringes going um, straight without um, getting thinner around the waist. So that is something that a person on the wheelchair could definitely look out for. Because the dress I'm wearing now, it's a very weird, contemporary, modern, arty kind of a design, but it's just a straight down um, with very, very loose hands. So it's something that people would definitely wear in 20s, and so let's bring it back, and let's definitely make it accessible. And can't forget all those fun hats. I love the hats. Oh, my God, yes. With feathers. One that I will miss every morning, every night that I can't wear is jeans. Because when you sat down, you get you need that comfort around, especially with a lot of the time bloated belly. Um, and even when you uh, an able-bodied person or a person who is allowed to walk a little or more, um, when you sit down, you get a little tight on your um, around your belly. I'm hoping to give it a funeral and give it away to my cousin. She's coming over tomorrow. <laughs> and just make sure these don't go to waste. But, uh, yeah, R.I.P. my jeans. I loved them. I had ripped jeans, vintage jeans. Oh, do you want any jeans? <laughs> <laughs> do you have jeggings over in England? What? Sorry? Oh, they're like, they look like denim, but they're actually leggings. They're stretchy. Yeah, yeah, I know. They are stretchy. If I if I can find some some cute looking ones, I might do actually. I haven't thought about it. I just went full dresses. I went to dramatic to dramatic because all I can do at least is an entrance. I remember um, we got this beautiful thing in our city, Liverpool, um, where it's it, it's called Secret Circus. And um, every month there is a circus performances, cabarets. The whole place is accessible. Uh, my dear friend who has a disability herself, she's got EDS. Um, she's on the wheelchair. She's a burlesque performer on the wheelchair. So you've got um, 
it was amazing. And last October, well, sorry, last November, we did a show called The Disabilities with Tease as in teasing. Oh. And um, it was a cabaret show. Uh, yeah, just just go wild, go crazy, wear dresses, just make sure it's not tight. And if it is, make it comfortable, get the biggest high heels you can get. Hats, now we know, I didn't know. Now we know hats are great. Well, you know what I think of it as is like, um, I myself can't wear a lot of different things. And so I love like jewelry and hats and, you know, I love my glasses too. If I could get a couple different, I like, you know, something that's makes a statement without yeah. making a statement of the other aspects of it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Get, you know, get anything that, that, that makes it you. Because I feel like even if it's a different shape of the glasses that you love or pins in your hair, it's um, for people with disabilities because a lot of the time we can't be out all the time. Um, especially now I know that I'm going to be in the house for quite a few weeks. So it is, a, it is a shame of not going out. But if you do... Make sure you make it special, but for yourself, not for other people. Even if it's a earring that you love, a dress that you love. That's such a like that's such an amazing point. I was wondering. Um, <clears throat> I guess you've talked about how um, your disability affects uh, your poetry. Um, but how does it affect your like photography and your tattooing? So photography is a big one. Um, um, I don't know if it's if it's um, popular in other countries, but there's a big, big festival called Glastonbury um, in the UK. Yeah. So um, last summer I was photographing um, at the circus um, at the Glastonbury. Um, they do provide um, disabled showers disabled toilets, there is a designated disabled um, campus. There's a beautiful, beautiful um, charity foundation for disabled photographers that allow people with different impairments do photography. Um, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to get out there and try to be successful uh, because there are so many places you can't go. I think accessibility itself is the biggest, the biggest no for us. Right. So can you, um, what about your tattooing? Uh, so, oh, yeah, so tattooing started um, pretty, pretty amazingly because um, I've always um, done loads of drawings and I've always done a lot of those things and um, I have a lot, of, a lot more control with a needle that just stabs slightly rather than the machine gun, which gives me more possibility to do it well, to do it professionally because of... Um, the feelings in my arms, the, sh the shakes, they don't really, they don't really affect it. Um, so I went to um, the opening of this creative space, half of it was photography where I had my exhibition and half of it was a tattoo studio. But it's something that I found happens a lot when someone comes to the studio, see me in a wheelchair and then it's apart, you know, they still saw my portfolio, start doubting, doubting, sorry, uh, my ability in tattooing or anything else so 
I've just been super, super blessed with a tattoo studio that is fully accessible. And the people I work with are beautiful. And That's they amazing. They support me with anything. Um, and I just feel so, so lucky to, of course, I've worked really hard to get to the place to be able to be employed but finding a place that um oh they've got a lift like just a lift for the wheelchairs and oh. because it's cold yeah it's amazing because it's cold it makes those sounds like a screeching oh it's, it's so scary <laughs> but we just call it like uh, we call it um giving birth dinosaur it's just a separate lift for the wheelchairs it's amazing they've done a beautiful job with oh that wow being a part of it it's just it's unreal sometimes that's amazing for accessibility can you describe like what type of tattoos like what style your tattoos are um watercolor or is it kind of pop art or so, um, technique-wise, it can be either line work, so they're very minimalistic lines, or there could be a lot of many styles that you can imagine, depending on what a design is, but what is most likely to be done with a handbook are outlined um, line work, whether if it's, if you imagine very abstract um, female body, but just with worn continuous lines, um, or there's some geometric shapes with um, little dots that create a shade of, um, of someone's curves. Or um, I work a lot with body image. So um, I did uh, my dear friend who's in a wheelchair. I did a tattoo of one of her routines at the burlesque dancer. Um, I've done a tattoo of my other friend who um, also struggles with. Um, neurological disorder like mine who's a performer mm-hmm. and it's, it's a beautiful moment of such intimacy because when for me every single tattoo a lot of times is based on someone I look out for or someone who also struggles like me but on the other side so one tattoo I did of uh, my friend who's also in a wheelchair um, who produced the disability show um, her routine, one of her routines was um, dressed up as a lobster. Designs came up. Um, real quick, I wanted to find out. Uh, let's say that I am facing some disabilities. Um, what would be your advice to someone who's just like been diagnosed but still wants to be active in you know the work environment and community? The, the, your work that you do yourself already adapt it to your body abilities so I, I know that I've mentioned before um, I used to play in the theatre a lot and for me that was a big part of my life and once that was taken away because I couldn't do the rehearsals I started doing poetry and then slowly started performing again so it's still art it's still performing it's still acting but it's within the limits of my body uh, I think it's a big one because sometimes you feel like if something is taken away from you because of your disability and it, and it happens to every one of us, it's grieving. You're not only grieving your own body, but you're going for a process of losing things that you love. Take it apart. Find the little thing that you can still do within your limits and make it your thing like I did from acting 
to poetry, which is not physical, but I can still create and act um, to other people. And I think I think that's done. Offer you can always find something new, but if you if you've got something that you love, find a tiny little part of it that you can do, and just keep pushing and keep pushing, because it'll keep you alive. Excellent. Um, so are you able to read um, <clears throat> a poem for us? Absolutely. I put my arms dramatically on my face. Chronic pain. Chronic doesn't mean off on Sundays. Chronic means leave, and they all left. Leave now. I suck my right hand's knuckles covered in bruises and blood while I ask myself why and it's echoing in the empty room, bouncing off the walls back to my joints. I want to scream and run with a knife, cutting through the doctor's silence, through the unknown thickness. I don't know how to help you. Does your body have a name? Mine's Bill. How about a $10 bill? Bill, Bill, kill Bill, kill him. You can touch, you can suck, because if it stinks, even during my favorite films, meals on wheels, girls on wheels, I taste good because of my blue pills. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Natalia. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So, um, where can our listeners um, find you? Like, do you want to plug where you are? Absolutely. So, um, if you can find me on Instagram, it's at B-E-O-D-W-S-K-A. And um, if that's Instagram or Twitter, that's where you're going to find it. Fabulous. Amazing. This has been so great and refreshing, especially since coming out of hospital yesterday. This has given me a lot. Thank you very, very much. Yes, I was talking to my brother who's in the UK um, doing his postdoc at Cambridge. And he's like... What's your best episode so far? And I was like, I hope this week. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, y'all, very welcome. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Natalia. And um, it was really nice to meet you and hear all about uh, your work and how others that have disabilities can find the same type of motivation to continue to do what they love. Yes. Thank you so much. And we're so grateful to have you. It's evening now, but you've got a whole day to do something amazing. <laughs> yep, exactly. And we're so grateful to have you on the show. And we'll be in touch. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. She said, um, I want to know where I can find your sweatshirts and stuff. I'll plug that. So... Fabulous. I said I would send it along, and I told her how um, Ben is our sponsor. As, you know, he, he's plugging us, and he's got, like, a crazy amount of followers, so. That's fabulous. So what did you think about the um, 
What did you think about this episode? I thought the content was fabulous. I, I do think it was fantastic. She's an awesome example of what we should be. And the one thing I really liked was how, um, like, if they didn't have disability enabled, she was like, oh, screw you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I loved how positive she was. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So that's great. And she was amazing. Especially, like, finding things that weren't working and saying, well, I'm going to fix them. Exactly. You know? That was her attitude, and that's great. Exactly. You didn't tell her about your hat mitt. Oh, we didn't. That's right. That's for (laughs) another episode. (laughs) I have a a couple of vintage hats that I really like, and um, I find them only at the resale shops. They're so cute. You look cute in them. (laughs) But, you know, I'm supposed to be wearing my beanie hats when I'm taking pictures. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Well, I don't like them as much. My daughter looks so awesome at them. And she's constantly like, where's the yellow one? Where's the pink one, Mom? I'm like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you're listening to Chronic Warriors Pod, and um, which is sponsored by at Diesel down low on Instagram. Is that right, Jamie? Yep. And do you want to plug next week? Next week, I'm very excited to be talking to a caregiver of a child with disability. She is also living in the UK and just has a fantastic attitude and will fit right into our podcast. I can't wait. All right. I can't wait. Bye. Bye, everybody. Till next time.